Every Saturday is Catterday on Echoplex Media, and not only are we posting fucking cats, we invite all content creators to join our open panel. Visit echoplexmedia.com slash panel to learn how to join. Every third Saturday is Operation Catterday, where we cover this week and last year and play the best clips from the cast of conspiracy characters that now space has learned to loathe. The show starts at 8 p.m. Pacific at twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia. Find our full schedule at echoplexmedia.com. Welcome podcast listeners, welcome live viewers and listeners, or might I say thank you for hanging out during the podcast recording part of this show. This is a live show every Sunday, 7 to 9 p.m. Pacific and beyond into red light on the podcast to catch that 8 to 9 p.m. hour, so make sure you uh, tune in live every Sunday or patreon.com slash echoplex. You can get the uh, entire audio capture of the show. Also, I don't say it often enough, if you don't want to give me $5, I'm not really paywalling an MP3. You can email me, echo to echoplexmedia.com. 
I will send anybody the patrons content. No questions asked, of course. <clears throat> anyway, I'm producer Dave. You can find me on Grinder, and uh, this is what the people want. Police officers. I don't hate the cops. And there's a person inside when the truncheon stops. I don't hate the cops. Oh, when the raiders come, who will protect the shops? Don't hate the cops. They're a sensitive bunch. If you don't stop throwing your rocks, snap, crackle, pop. It's the sound of a taser. Your body drops. Don't hate the cops. But don't hate the cops. Don't hate the cops. But don't hate the cops. Like your local police. They don't do nothing wrong that your local police Got rid of the corruption and the racism is gone They've been keeping the peace Keeping homeless folks out of the parks and malls Got a cure for your social disease Follow the law, don't hate the cops Follow the law, don't hate the cops Follow the law, don't hate the cops Topping our news this week is a story about $28 worth of Taco Bell. Now, this was uh, trending on Twitter for a very good reason. It's a little out of touch. Even the 28 bucks ain't like big money or whatever, but it's not really an amount of money that one person spends at Taco Bell unless he forgot to mention something about his Taco Bell order. So I am going to be a little bit fair to this guy, but only after we watch the clip and, and, and laugh at it. I mean, admittedly, you want to know how bad inflation is? Yesterday, yes, I had a nice lunch at Taco Bell. Cost me about $28 at Taco Bell for lunch. People need to pay for those things, and they do that by getting jobs and getting in the economy and getting active and getting involved. Wait a minute. You spent $28 at yeah. Taco Bell for just yourself? <laughs> for lunch, yeah. It's, really? it's true. Okay. That's, that's a lot of chalupas. That that's is, an inflation story. That is. He's a thin, you're both thin, fit guy. I can't see me. That That's just like the opening appetizer, but whatever. What the fuck? Okay, so I think the part he left out of the story is that he had it delivered. Because delivery is expensive. If I ordered, if I ordered just like one of their like meals where you get a couple tacos and some nachos and a drink and I don't know, like some cinnamon twists or whatever. It would be 28 bucks if I had it delivered right now for sure. So he just left out that he had it delivered. Now, if you went to Taco Bell and ordered food and sat there and ate it and you ate 20 bucks, 28 bucks worth of Taco Bell, you'd be feeling something. You wouldn't be on no Neil Cavuto show. <laughs> like you'd be having you'd be having some problems. It wouldn't be good for your mind or your body. And I do like Taco Bell. I'm a big fan of a bean burrito at Taco Bell, even though they're they're small and kind of wimpy or whatever. I'm a big fan of Taco Bell. So I, I like Taco Bell and uh, Burger King, actually, for uh, fast food. But I think he got it delivered, and I think he just left that part out. <laughs> 
I don't think he really ordered $28 worth of food from Taco Bell. Or he's just lying. Maybe he just lied. That's also possible, right? Because he just made that shit up. And dude's never ate at Taco Bell because he's rich and doesn't eat at Taco Bell. And he just thought $28 seemed like a seemed like a number that inflation could bring the Taco Bell price to. <clears throat> anyway, during our show last week, Sarah Palin had an event. And, um, well, here's the, uh, I guess, part of the beginning of the event. You can see there's nobody there, and there's like a really bad James Brown impersonator. And he's like, turn the music up. They're like, we can't. This is a senior home. (laughs) So after that, I don't know, some other things probably happened too, but after that, uh, Sarah Palin came and gave a little speech. If I guess we'll call it a speech. We'll we'll be generous today. Here's what uh, Sarah Palin had to say at a Patriot Freedom Pack. Mary Peltoa, I love her. She's adorable. She's sweet. She's she's wonderful. We're friends. We were pregnant at the same time. I was governor. She was a lawmaker. Kind of bonded over that. And we're we're good friends. I really love her. But Alaska cannot afford to have a Democrat in office. We're in deep red state. There's so uh, that's the woman who is, I believe, the senator, uh, the, that's the indigenous woman who uh, won the Alaska senator seat, I believe. It might have been their only House of Representatives seat. I forget which one it was. You'll have to forgive me. But she was talking about her, and she's like, I guess, running against her. Sarah Palin going to lose. I, I think, like, something happened in Alaska, and the people there are just tired of, those, of everybody's bullshit. That's the only reason that person could have, that, that indigenous lady uh, who's a liberal could have got elected, is the people in, maybe the people in um, Alaska are just like, no, you know, we're, we're tired of this bullshit. And I think, I think that they're going to be, they're not going to vote for Sarah Palin either, I don't think, if they're tired, if that's the reason they voted that, uh, I forget her name too, but if that's the reason they voted a Democrat in is that they're tired of a bunch of bullshit. Well, Sarah Palin is fucking queen of bullshit mountain. And so like, she's not going to do so well if that's the way the wind's blowing there. Uh, here she is on uh, Fox and Friends and Friends and Friends and Friends and Friends uh, talking about Russia because she's a military strategist. And so now the worry is he's going to resort to some sort of little nuke. But uh-huh. in the world, there's no such thing as a little, little nuke. That's right. That's why we need to keep our eye on Putin, right? That's why uh, Alaska, our strategic location that we are and the military force that is there, they are on top of everything. Our guys are uh, making sure that, uh, you know, we're, we're keeping him in check and, you um, Putin and his his guys trying to get in our airspace and everything else. It's, it's our responders who are out there shooing them away and letting the rest of the nation know that, uh, you know, in some respects, they're up to no good. We have to keep an eye on them. Right. And they. <laughs> She's like, oh, the, the Alaska, the, the good Alaskans, the Alaskan military is up there just shooing. They're just shooing the Russians away. Shoo, Russia. Shoo, shoo away, Russia. Shoo. It's not really how any of this works. It's the federal government that runs the military. She was accidentally praising the federal government when Joe Biden is the president. She shouldn't have done that. I mean, she, she, whatever. She doesn't know what the hell's going on. But she has in the past been made fun of for thinking that she like necessarily has uh, foreign policy chops because Russia is right next to Alaska. And so she's like, she's do it. She did another version of that. She never said, I can see Russia from my house. Uh, people, Some people believe that she said that. She didn't say that. That was on uh, Saturday Night Live. So, you know, we know it was from Saturday Night Live. It was almost funny, but it wasn't, it wasn't quite there. So apparently, Tucker Carlson doesn't understand anything. Here's him talking about John Fetterman, the cyborg. 
Fetterman uses a software program to understand the words of those around him and to formulate his responses to those words. In other words, to talk. Now, to be perfectly clear, this software is not a hearing aid. Fetterman doesn't need a hearing aid because he isn't deaf. He's not hearing impaired. Instead, this program takes words and then rearranges them into language that John Fetterman can understand because his brain can no longer do that for him. Now, that's sad. For transhumanists, though, it is thrilling. This is an amazing moment. This is Neil. Wait, no, no, no. That's what's not happening. Armstrong on the moon. Here you have the, one of the most famous politicians in the country merging with a computer. This is the future they imagine. They're thrilled by it. But for everyone else, for the voters of Pennsylvania, for example, it does raise some obvious questions. For example, where exactly does the software end and John Fetterman's consciousness begin? We don't know. We can't know. But it's obvious that Pennsylvania could very well be sending a computer program to the U.S. Senate where inevitably it will be hacked. <laughs> MSNBC sat down with John Fetterman and his thinking machine to assess where the man ends and the machine begins. And the initial impressions were not at all encouraging. So what he has, he had a stroke recently. And as you recover from a stroke, sometimes you, your ability to interpret language, it lags behind some of the rest of your, your recovery from the stroke. It's not that you don't understand what's going on. It's that you like, you have just a hard time. It just doesn't, language doesn't click. And all he has is a, a speech to text device. So that if somebody says something and he can't quite understand it as a result of his, him recovering from his stroke, he can read it again. That's all it is. It's fucking speech to text. That's it. He, that's all. Your phone has that. This is just a device, probably specifically for people who have uh, suffered a stroke. Maybe, you know, it's it's a single purpose device. So it's not like you don't have to use your phone for it. And not for nothing, most people who have a stroke can't get this device, right? Because they don't have the money <clears throat> or the access. John Fetterman's running for office. He gets this device. But in dealing with the media, that's that's not... You should have that if you just had a stroke and you're talking to the media. You should be able to reread the question you were just asked. Because this ability is going to come back. It's not gone forever in this guy. The vast majority of people who uh, suffer a stroke and have have a, a the, this sort of disconnect with your hearing and understanding language, that goes away for most people. They, they come back. So the machine that's being sent there is just taking the words that someone is saying and putting them on a screen. So that he can read it again if he doesn't understand it the first time. That's all it's doing. It's not. He Tucker said it's arranging it in language that he can understand. Like like John Fetterman speaks some weird cyborg computer language. Get the fuck out of here. It's literally just text, uh, speech to text. And um, I think more uh, people who I looked into it, and I think more people who suffer a stroke should have access to this device. It makes it a lot easier to communicate with people and. Um, like I said, your ability to understand your cognition ain't gone. Just the uh, very particular language center in your brain it takes a little while to recover. That's it. I think more people should have access to this device. Anyway, up next, we got a former Newsmax host. His name is Grant Stinchfield. He's going to claim that he was fired from Newsmax for not criticizing Tucker Carlson. Uncensored and unapologetic. This is Stenchfield. Stenchfield. Host, Grant Stenchfield. I am excited. Yeah, somebody in the chat said that they uh, use a device, a speech-to-chat device. I don't usually talk or respond to the chat during the pod, but uh, people listening on the pod, there is a chat here. Um, Yeah, it's useful for a lot of people. For my new podcast. Uh, This is really great stuff. So I wanted to come out of the gate, right out of the bat, and address, I don't know what they call it, the elephant in the room, whatever. Why did I leave Newsmax? Why did they cancel Newsmax? Was it my... My first guess, if I didn't know anything about the story, would be Roid Rage. Choice. Um, in many respects, folks, it was, it was not my choice. Uh, I wanted to stay at Newsmax. And, and I can tell you, beyond a shadow of a doubt, my primetime show at 8 o'clock was a dream job. 
And with that, I'll never speak ill about Newsmax. They gave me the opportunity of a lifetime. I wouldn't have the opportunities that I'm now looking at ahead. And there are many opportunities, by the way. We'll talk about more as the uh, days and weeks go on. Um, I would never would have had all this if it wasn't for the last two years. And, and a primetime show that, in my mind, was very, very successful. Uh, so, but it's in your mind. I'd never heard of you. I was certainly upset. But it's not like I, I watched uh, Newsmax. show. Um, that never formulated. I was upset with Newsmax for telling viewers that a weekend show was coming. They had never talked to me about a weekend show. I think that was mostly to subdue all of you, Stinchfield's army, who was uh, who were complaining about the departure of uh, of the show. And uh, again, I was upset about it. But so let's go through what happened. Um, I took over the 8 p.m. slot at Newsmax with zero viewers. They were literally running documentaries, reruns, whatever. There was no show in the 8 o'clock slot. And that seems like a bad calculation. Build an audience, 60, 70, 80,000, 100,000. We were up around 110, 150,000, and we were growing. And then the election happened in 2020. And Fox News lost a lot of viewers, didn't call the election. Uh, or excuse me, Fox News did call the election. Newsmax didn't call the election. And we had patriots come to us like we had never seen before. My show, Greg Kelly's show, we were doing, he was doing over a million people a night. I was doing 800,000, 900,000. We had one show where we did over a million people uh, in one night. The ratings were through the roof. And then things started to drop back off. But we held steady. We got to anywhere 250,000, 300,000, at times 400,000. Ratings were great. When I left. It sounds like an increase from the 120 he was saying before. A night just under that on any given day. We were the number two or number three rated show uh, on the network. Yeah, sorry, listeners and viewers about that, by the way. We call this leftist audio, not because it's like a leftist person, because it's literally only coming out of the left channel. To this day, I don't really have a reason they told me that i didn't make inroads uh ratings inroads that is against tucker carlson and tucker carlson's doing three million people a night we were doing three hundred thousand. to me actually that's great inroads against a beast i mean tucker carlson is probably the best conservative talker on cable tv there is out there right now And we were making strides against him, but Newsmax was not happy. We weren't making enough strides against him. So what did Newsmax want me to do to make those strides? Well, if you can believe it, they wanted me to go after Tucker Carlson, to attack him. And I had a real hard time with this because to me, Tucker Carlson, I would say is number two to President Trump as the leader of the Republican Party. Really, there's not a politician, a Republican politician in America today. That so you're like a bootlicker. That's what he's telling us. He's a bootlicker. He's like, I don't want to go against people who are powerful. Were there little things I could find to disagree with him on? Yeah, conservatives don't agree on everything. But by and large, I had always believed there is strength in numbers. And the fight that we are taking to the left, the fight to save America, especially now with President Trump gone, was far too important than to go after Tucker Carlson. Him and I were fighting for the same thing. Yes, Fox News is our competitor. Yes, Fox News strayed from the conservative values that it was founded on. But Fox News wasn't really the enemy. And honestly, Tucker Carlson isn't the enemy either, by far. So this idea that there's strength in numbers, uh, Newsmax didn't want me to follow that. They wanted me to go after him. So in the beginning, I would find little things that I would go after Tucker Carlson on, uh, mostly surrounding some Ukraine stuff. But it was really hard for me to find anything because for the most part, I agreed with just about everything. So to square that with myself, I'd find something really little. It wasn't good enough for Newsmax. They wanted me to go after him on a nightly basis. They wanted me to hammer him. And but on what? I gently refused. I'm not an egotistical talent as they call us, a host that thinks, oh, man, I'm, it's my show. I won't. I put up a gentle fight against this. I tried to say, here's why this is not going to work. My viewers, Stinchfield's Army, all of you, do not want me to go after Tucker Carlson. You're either taping him and watching me or watching me and taping him. 
But go after, going after him would be a nightmare. And sure enough, any time I even approach the idea. Do you think, I think he was afraid to go after Tucker Carlson. Disagreeing with him, I would get hammered with emails. And, and believe me, I don't mind getting hammered from the left, but I hate getting hammered from the right. Well, that's, you know, okay. I really do. I look at us as a unified front, as a team, as an army. We're dropping truth bombs every night. It's what we're going to do. Very cult-like, tribalistic, and also maybe right. maybe sounded a little little sexy. I told them it's not working. So here's what they did. They dispatched Dick Morris to come onto my program and attack Tucker Carlson. Now, let me say this about Dick Morris. Morris. I think he is a, a brilliant guy. I look at the polling that he's doing, a, a lot of the political analysis that he's doing. I think he's brilliant. I've become friends with Dick Morris. He wanted to go after Tucker Carlson. He embraced that role. Fine. To me, it made my stomach churn. It made me literally sick to my stomach. Uh, not a way you want to go to work every day. So there was the well, might have been the steroid I use. thorn in the side of Newsmax leadership because I didn't want to go down this role of attacking Tucker Carlson. Okay. Well, what we learned there is that this guy was terrified of either Tucker or Tucker Carlson's audience. Did not want to go after him. He had like a Dick Morris on his show too. Like Dick Morris, I don't, I don't, maybe the word celebrity isn't right, but Dick Morris is like super famous. Like everybody knows who he is and he, they, they put like, just he, this guy should have just gone along to get along and fuck got that money. Unless he was like legitimately terrified of Tucker Carlson's audience and their barrage of emails, which is quite possible because those, they will in fact probably email you. If Tucker takes note, if Tucker were to like complain about these people um, criticizing him, then yeah, they'd probably receive some email. But like when you, <clears throat> when you talk about, politics for a living that's you buy the ticket as long as nobody's like threatening physical harm or doing anything illegal or hurting you then it's all in the game baby it's all in the game now here's something kind of unfortunate this is uh the debate between marjorie taylor green and her opponent whose name i just don't know and it's a problem that i don't know her opponent's name but also he gonna lose her district is gerrymandered so bad that she can't lose. Um, but here's her talking to her opponent. She's out of her damn mind. Lying about me and you will not defame my character in that manner. Did Joe Biden win the election, Congresswoman Green? Joe Biden is the president of the United States. Absolutely. Marcus. But you pushed a big lie that said he did not win the election. There was and election fraud. you drove those proven. people to there the Capitol on fraud. January 6th with your lie. We're going to move on. Josh Rowe, it's election your turn fraud. to ask and my the question to Marjorie Taylor Green. My husband, he left we you. Have evidence, me. a proof of election fraud that came out. Excuse me, we're ready to move on. To your husband? He's not going to accuse me of a crime. Would you like your question? Would one. you like your question? Yes, ma'am, I you. would. Thank you. All right, thank you. Uh, liar, a liar, by the way. There's a. So, she's divorced. She or her husband left her. Like, what is she talking about? Her husband? Her husband is she married? Did she marry Mike Lindell? Like, her husband has the proof of election fraud. Here is the next clip from her debate. She's just going to go like full, like moral panic in this clip. Just talk about like child abuse. And she's going to, she's going to go like satanic panic shit with this one. Party. The Democrat Party is the party of child abuse. It's the party that represents Marcus Flowers is her opponent. Thank sexualizing you. them in school, teaching anti-white racism in the terms of CRT education and genital mutilation of kids, kids that can't even get a driver's license, can't get a tattoo and cannot vote. How do you stand there and represent the Democrat Party as a father? And do you believe in genital mutilation of children under the age of 18 and, and these puberty blockers that have severe health consequences? <laughs> oh i don't know during red light maybe maybe tonight during the post game we'll watch the uh we'll watch her debate because it's probably up to be watched and i feel like that would be like a very fun thing to do if we do that by the way podcast listeners i'll make sure to put out uh, that segment also on the podcast feed she went she went like all the way moral panic on that talking about talking about anti-white racism and not for nothing like it's like a white supremacist talking point. And I'm not sure that it's like that you should be like talking to a black man about anti-white racism and th that him participating in it. I don't think that that's uh, that's not a good look. 
you shouldn't be talking about it to anybody, but especially like not in that scenario where you're the one with the power and he's the one trying to gain the power. And, ooh, yikes. Anyway, I don't really, we don't run trailers for anything around here very often, but this looks pretty good. This looks is, it looks like there's going to be a, like a short, like a, like a mini series or a docu-series about the fall of the Falwell family. And so let's take a, let's take a look at the, uh, the trailer for it. As a pool attendant, I would get hit on. But if I would have known that accepting this woman's invitation to go back to her hotel room would have led to a scandal involving the president of the largest Christian university in the world and the president of the United States, I would have walked away and just enjoyed my private life. The Falwells are the Southern Gatsby's. They're wealthy, powerful. With a Christian's communications empire. And they're sloppy. They have a public image, but behind the scenes, they're freaks. They sound based now. At the time, I didn't really know who they were. My brother was at the age of one of their sons. He started being friendly with the kids. They had no idea that their dad liked to record his wife having sex with me. <laughs> what is happening? Becky was in love with this kid. Jerry was looking at keeping his wife happy. They were bringing him into a world he couldn't imagine. Real estate, politics. He was on top of the world. I'm like, this is it. I have never heard of anybody buying some kid that they met at the pool for a half million dollar business. Like, what's going on? We have a very powerful endorsement coming. Jerry Falwell Jr. Trump didn't fit the model of the evangelical candidate. There was some sort of relationship between Falwell, the pool attendant, Trump and Michael Cohen. He was paid to dig up dirt on people and control them with that dirt. I'm screwed. This is where it became dangerous. You don't know what lengths people are willing to go when they have so much to lose. If they wanted to make me disappear, they can do it. The Falwells are predators. Anytime you have sex and then makes religion, that's some nasty, nasty shit. It was an atomic scandal. Jerry Falwell writes, I was not involved. I know the truth about them, and the whole world is going to find out. Looks great. <clears throat> I'm totally going to watch it. It's going to be overly dramatized. There's going to be errors in it. These kinds of things always have that stuff in it, but it's going to be great. It's going to be fun. It's going to be way better than that Hunter Biden's laptop movie we watched. That's for damn sure. So we got two stories uh, about Kanye or about people's reaction to Kanye. And this first one is going to be Candace Owens. Candace Owens is going to just, well, you know, it's, it's how she do. I, I'll let it roll and we'll, we'll have some thoughts about it after. That was the tweets. And people subsequently demanded that the tweet be taken down for anti-Semitism. Now, if you are an honest person, you did not think this tweet was anti-Semitic. You did not think that he wrote this tweet because he hates or wants to genocide Jewish people. This does not represent the beginning of the Holocaust. That's if you're an honest person, you'll meet that. You, you will admit that. Okay, I already have to pause this. You don't have to yourself personally plan to or even desire to do physical harm to one or more members of a, of a, a group to be stoking up hate about that group. Right. If you're an honest person, when you read this tweet, you had no idea what the hell he was talking about. I had I had. Well, no that's because you're stupid. Or maybe you're just playing dumb. No idea. When I read this tweet, what the hell he was talking about. This tweet inspired questions, not answers. First and foremost, what is death con three? Did he mean death con three? which would be a military defense position, not an offense for those of you that are offended, a military defense position. <laughs> a classic thing that you do if you want to stir up fear about a group of people who are different than you is to suggest that they might attack you and people like you. Is he tweeting this because he's reading the Newsweek headline, calling him an anti-Semitic? Is he angry because he can't believe that he's not free to talk about people in his life who happen to be Jewish, right? 
without being accused of anti-Semitism? Is he saying, I'm not going to shut up and I'm going to keep tweeting and I'm going to keep calling these people out, referring to his friends that he feels slighted by? Is he talking about Jared Kushner and Josh Kushner? If you're a liar, you'll say, I know I was scared, Candace. I actually thought that Kanye West was going to launch a military strike in Israel. Because but that's not even, you don't, again, that's not what anti-Semitism is. There could be a reason that um, a country would launch an airstrike in Israel that had nothing to do with religion. It would have maybe power, maybe, maybe the U.S. finds out they got a bunch of lithium there. Who fucking knows? That's not what anti-Semitism is. Anti-Semitism is anything from bold, strong statements that we can't say here on Twitch and that I don't really want to put out there in the world anyway, to just tropes. Like like little tropes, little little stereotypes, little stereotypes about the banks, little stereotypes about small groups of people controlling the world, controlling the media. Those things are also anti-Semitism. Uh, con- context is important. There are ways you could talk about those things. The banks, small groups of people controlling companies, and it wouldn't be anti-Semitic. But... Uh, because that's the reaction. Like when I woke up and I looked at the headlines, the reaction was like Kanye West had gotten together a military strike and it was going to go forward in the morning time in Israel. That was yes, that's the, the only anti-Semitism actually is when you have a military. Kanye West doesn't even have a military. You can't even do an anti-Semitism. Was the reaction that was met with this week. Now, once again, I want to make this very clear. This is not a defense of his tweet. This is an open question, which never seems to happen anymore. It's like you cannot even say the word Jewish without people getting upset in the same way that you're not allowed to say black anymore. In the same way that if you talk about the struggles of black Americans and you talk about the people in black America, like Patrice Cullors, the founder of Black Lives Matter, who are harnessing emotions to enrich their pockets, right? Ma'am. Who's harnessing emotions to enrich their pockets in this in this world more than you? There might be a few people, ma'am, but there aren't a lot. There are a lot there. Candace Owens has definitely harnessed a lot of, uh, I'd say what I'd say, negative emotions to pad her pockets and like whatever. I'm trying to do a version of the same thing here with this podcast network. I just hope that what I'm putting out there is generally good and generally helps people have some better understanding of the world or at least entertains people without fucking like spreading hate while I do it. So like her saying that anybody else is a grifter is just really funny. And she was saying that we can't talk about the problems that black people face in this country without being called a racist. You absolutely can. She just can't because she's a racist. And when she talks about the problems that black people face in America, she does it racistly. And so that's like her problem. It's not my problem. I tend to try to like let, um, black creators do the talking about uh problems in black america um because that's just what i tend to do um i tend to feel like i shouldn't be speaking for anyone but i could talk to somebody about you know problems that are you know like where class and race intersect i could talk about that stuff and we do it a lot on our wednesday show the intellectual dollar tree we're forced to do it because of the kind of content we cover now this is going to be amazing this is ben shapiro going to try to like (laughs) try to cover for Kanye West here. You'd think that Ben Shapiro would be like, no, there's anti-Semitic tropes here and he shouldn't do that, but he's not going to, I I would have never guessed that I Ben Shapiro will do a lot of dumb stuff, but I never would have guessed that this, this is, he would have ended up here. So again, this is an anti-Semitic trope that, that basically you can't say bad things about Jews, which um, I've noticed world history. You can, I'm just going to put that out there. Like lots of people say bad things about Jews, like a lot, like it happens all the, in fact, you can sit in Congress and be on the cover of Rolling Stone magazine and be heralded as the future of the democratic party and say bad things about Jews on a fairly routine basis. Okay. Again, this, this thing that they do and uh, a lot of uh, right wingers and even moderate people on the right. And I'd say even some people on the, some moderate people on the left do this. They, the only kind of anti-Semitism they ever see is when it's somebody criticizing the actions of the government of Israel. Israel is a nation state. You can criticize any nation state and you are not bigoted against the kinds of people who live there.
Now you can make big, you could say bigoted shit about Israel and the people who live there. Sure. But those are, that would be a combination of things you were doing at once. Ilan Omar criticizes the behavior of the nation of Israel regularly. Turns out. So there's that. I don't know what DEFCON 3 means. Uh, I assume he means DEFCON 3, which is a weird usage because, again, like the, the, the highest level of alert would be DEFCON 1. So DEFCON 3 is kind of like mildly alert. But DEFCON, I don't know what that is. Is that a death threat? On Jewish people, big capital letters. Um, but that's the problem. That's a, ben, that's a problem. Ben, that's a fucking problem. When he says he can't be anti-Semitic because he is black, he then went on, a t apparently while he was on Tucker Carlson, there were some comments that he made that were cut out of that interview, including him commenting that the real Jews are black, right? which is a black Hebrew Israelite conspiracy theory suggesting that essentially the- Ben should have a black Israelite on his show. I feel like it would be very funny. The real Jews are not the Jews who have historic Jewish ethnicity. The real Jews are black Americans who are shipped over in the transatlantic slave trade. Those are the actual lost tribes, and, uh, and they are replacements for Jews. This is resulted, by the way, the black Hebrew Israelites have committed terrorist attacks against Jews in New Jersey. Most recently, they attacked right outside a Jewish school uh, in, in New Jersey at one point. It's like a couple of years ago. So, But Ben, who does most of the attacks against um Jewish places of worship and places where it is perceived that a lot of Jewish people gather. Ben, who does most of those? I'm not saying the black Israelites don't do it. That, that's a, that's a, that's a crazy group of people, but at least they ain't hooked up with Scientology like the nation is. So this is all really bad. Stuff. Suffice it to say, this is all very anti-Semitic and really, really bad stuff. Okay. Sugarcoating it is stupid and counterproductive. It's bad. No matter who says it. Oh, oh, it's bad. Whether you're on the right, it is bad. Whether you're on the left. I will condemn it no matter whether it's a person on the right saying it. Are you condemning it? Or whether it's a person on the left saying it. I, I think that what Kanye West said last week about abortion was very good. I think when he says anti-Semitic stuff, it's really terrible. Period. End of story. All of these things can be true at once. I don't think that it necessitates that people pretend that he didn't say it or ignore that he said it. So Ben's like, I would condemn what he said, except like it sounded like at the beginning that he was not condemning what he said. He was what about isming what he said and what about isming it with a dumb thing that p people on the political right will do. They will conflate criticism of the nation state of Israel with a distaste for Jewish people or, or bigotry against Jewish people. But then you look at a few opinion polls, you take a look at European and American Jews and they tend to be highly critical of the government of Israel. They don't like what's going on there either. So, like, where... Then it just becomes jingoism for a country you don't even fucking live in. And that's sad. It's sad enough to be jingoistic about the place you are, but then some place on the other side of the planet, because basically the American <clears throat> evangelical conservative project is like an end times cult and they the reason they're the reason they are like have such a fucking have such a jesus boner for israel is because like some of them legitimately believe the world is going to fucking end during our lifetime and for that for jesus to happen the lost tribes have to return to israel so they so they think i don't know but that's that's like that's like what's going on here and so ben can't just he can't like draw those distinctions. He has to use the you're you're criticizing Israel version of anti-Semitism. And then he can't be really that like, I don't know, he just didn't speak out in very strong ways about what Kanye was saying. Ben Shapiro is frustrating. Anyway, in other frustrating news of other frustrating people in Ben Shapiro's age cohort, here's a uh, Charlie Kirk just bemoaning the idea that some people are nice. This is not just the future, you know, kids on the side of the street and they become Starbucks baristas. Oh, yeah, it's so funny, you know, but I'm going to keep on supporting University of Minnesota because they're a great school. Go Gophers. They, <laughs> they're requiring nurses to say they're going to administer health care based on a belief of white supremacist colonialist values. This is people's lives. This is not, by the way, it'd be one thing if they were taught this bad. 
Another thing, if that they were taught to repeat it in a test, bad. This is their new North Star mission statement. They're forced to read off a piece of paper. And one of our listeners is saying, what happened to reciting the Hippocratic Oath? This is the new Hippocratic Oath that they are putting in. They're changing the Hippocratic Oath. The new Hippocratic Oath is saying we must acknowledge white supremacy and structural racism. We must acknowledge colonialism. The new generation of doctors at the University of Minnesota Twin Cities is being raised up to not help people, but to be social justice activists. I know a lot of you are going to email us freedom at charliekirk.com. Why are we, how did this happen? Because we were nice for too long. Nice people have done a lot of damage to America. <laughs> There's a lot of boomers out there that are really nice. God bless you. Being nice has allowed evil to take over all this stuff. <laughs> Every, we were just too nice, and now they're now now the medical industry is anti-racist. Look what you've done, nice people. Like who fucking cares if they if if the nurses like even if you don't agree with it or whatever, who fucking cares? Like why the outrage? They're just gonna like it's just part of like what they say. I think probably when they. Uh, I don't know when they when they get a certification or whatever. I, he didn't even describe it very well, and I didn't look into it too terribly much. But like, get over it, man. It's just a. It's not a reason to abandon niceness in all of its forms just because you don't like one thing that a uh, <laughs> that a, that a, a university or a uh, medical institution has done. That seems seems extreme. Seems very extreme. So here's the Ohio Senate debate. Um. J.D. Vance is running, and I think, ooh, is this guy, is this Tim Scott? Anyway, the Democrats kind of boring, but J.D. Vance is full-on, like, reeks of Peter Thiel. And so, it's kind of good to see him get dunked on a little bit. Just a few weeks ago in, in Youngstown, on the stage, uh, Donald Trump said to J.D. Vance, all you do is kiss my ass to get my support. After Trump took J.D. Vance's dignity from him on the stage in Youngstown, J.D. Vance got back up on stage and said, start shaking his hand, take a picture, saying, hey, aren't we having a great time here tonight? I don't know anybody I grew up with, I don't know anybody I went to high school with that would allow somebody to take their dignity like that and then get back up on stage. <laughs> Well, that's because you don't know J.D. Vance. He, it's true. Like if somebody comes and goes, oh, this guy's just here to kiss my ass. And then you go up there and you kiss his ass. Yeah, you're, you've got your dignity taken away from you by Donald Trump. Not untrue. <laughs> so uh, we got a Newsmax real quick here. Just real quick hit here. This is more of the... Um, Every year we do this for Halloween. It's the Halloween candy drug moral panic. And here's this this week's version of it from Newsmax. The powerful drug cartels are coming after your kids, your neighbors, your students, your family members, and your friends. Fake pills laced with fentanyl are beginning to look like candy in an effort to lure young Americans. This epidemic is exploding, which is why this Halloween Let's join forces and look out for one another. Only let kids get candy from trusted neighbors, family, and friends. Set a curfew for your trick-or-treaters. Always double and triple check their candy for drugs or suspiciously packaged or unpackaged items. They do this every year around Halloween. It's drugs or razor blades or some shit's going to be in the candy. Drugs are too expensive. Um, they were showing pictures of ecstasy pills, I believe. Um, nobody's giving your kids ecstasy. Um, unless your kids are like 18 or something, but then like they maybe aren't out trick or treating and they're just doing ecstasy on Halloween. They just do it every year and they got to, we, we could stop doing it because we don't, it's dumb, but nope, we keep doing it every year, even, even, even though it's dumb. Now I got a clip of Tulsi talking about how she left the democratic party. I guess she left the Democratic Party. I didn't know she was a part of it. She was a pretty strong anti-woke uh, a lot lately. So let's go. 
I can no longer remain in today's Democratic Party that's under the complete control of an elitist cabal of warmongers. Elitist cabal, you say? Driven by cowardly wokeness who divide us by racializing every issue and stoking anti-white racism. Whoa. Who actively work to undermine our God-given freedoms that are enshrined in our constitution, who are hostile to people of faith and spirituality, who demonize the police but protect criminals at the expense of law-abiding Americans, who believe in open borders, who weaponize the national security state to go after their political opponents, and above all, who are dragging us ever closer to nuclear war. Now, I believe in a government that's of the people, by the people, and for the people. Unfortunately, today's Democratic Party does not. Instead, it stands for a government that is of, by, and for the powerful elite. Now, I'm calling that's on any my political party. common sense, independent-minded Democrats to join me in leaving the Democratic Party. If you can no longer stomach the direction that the so-called woke Democratic Party ideologues are taking our country, then I invite you to join me. So you're going to join Andrew Yang's grift? I bet she is. I don't think she's going to go Republican. I think she's going to join the forward party. She's going to join that weird Andrew Yang grift. Um, there were a couple things in there, but she's always been able, she's always done this. She was like dog whistling about like elitist cabals. It's the anti-Semitic dog whistle of, um, Shapiro should know about that actually, but he doesn't seem to. And then anti-white racism, Jesus. I mean, she was clearly signaling to, you know, a certain group of people like, uh, like the Gamergate kind of people, the, you know, she's like the kind of IDW people, the, uh, fans of Alex Jones, maybe anyway, here's a, uh, speaking of the IDW, here's uh Tulsi on the Joe Rogan show. And uh, they are going to talk up Matt Walsh's crappy "What Is a Woman" documentary, chess game, and the the ultimate checkmate is "What's a woman?" Yeah, I mean, when you're coming to with, with wokeness and any you can identify as a woman, you get to use the female restroom. Like, okay, but what is it? Yeah, what's a woman? You know, can, oh, Justin Freakin has a great answer to this, and I hope I'm not going to butcher it. He says somebody who presents most mostly with feminine features or whatever, and I thought that was a pretty good answer. And get pregnant? Yes. Okay. Well, what is it? Can a biological male get pregnant? And then people panic, and they start the the pe pe people that well, I plenty of women can't get pregnant woman, uh, are <laughs> capable of being pregnant, and people that identify as a male are capable of also being pregnant. Like, what are you saying? Yeah. What's a, say? If you identify as a woman, what are you identifying as? Like, that's the documentary, the Matt Walsh documentary, exactly, which is fucking amazing. And was also, it fucking amazing? No the idea that Joe Rogan isn't just like a like a right wing partisan hack at this point is pretty. It's pretty a silly idea too, right? Viewing it, mm -hmm. no, no one's, one's reviewing yep. it. That documentary is fantastic because Matt Walsh allow, and you can only get it on the Daily Wire, I think, which is unfortunate, but I get it. You know, I get it. The Daily Wire yeah. produced it. They want people to sign up, and they're creating this alternative platform for content. But that documentary is so good because Matt Walsh simply asks questions, yeah. and he doesn't. He does it deadpan. Yeah, and it's amazing watching these people just like twist reality into yeah. some weird <laughs> fucking contortionist <laughs> knot. <laughs> It's like, yeah. what are you saying? It's what so is a woman? What exactly. does it mean? Yeah, it's so revealing. You know, you're, you're marching for women's rights, but mm -hmm. what does that mean? So if I decide I'm a woman and I go out, you're marching for me? Mm -hmm. I'm a woman. Sure. Right. You could just yes. say it? Yeah. yeah. We, we can't have that. But it's like nobody does it. That's not how it really works, Joe. Like you're the, 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 the way that that's not really how trans people's journey is. It's not like you just wake up one day. It doesn't make so sense. Weird and caricatured. It doesn't mean you can't have trans people. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that. Yeah. You can most certainly. And it doesn't mean you're against. Yes. Yeah. Anyone. You're not denying anyone's existence yeah. either. They they exist. However, if you want to be pregnant, you must be a biological female. Mm -hmm. This is science. Mm -hmm. This is something that we have all studied. And oh, Joe Rogan is a science expert. But like the problem is when you use that, like anytime you just you want to narrow it down to like one thing. 
And there's people outside of that. Oh, uh, can get pregnant. Not all women can get pregnant. Um, some women are, have aged out of being able to get pregnant. Some women were born never being able to get pregnant. Some women don't even know why, but they can't get pregnant. So those are women. So up next, we got, I guess, our palate cleanser for the week. Um, we got Ronnie the Rat speaking in Texas, the city of Allen, Texas. He is not really a furry. It's this dork that's been hanging out with Marjorie Taylor Greene. And uh, he's going to try to do a funny. He's playing from Odyssey, so anything can happen. Next, I have Ronnie Thurrett. Thurrett? Thurrett? Sorry? That's me. Oh, goodness. I'm Ronnie. How you guys doing? Hello, council. My name is Ronnie the Rat. I'm a trans species elementary school teacher here in Allen ISD. And I just want to try to bring more awareness. Yeah, this is that dork that's been trying to do like the um like what the good liars do or like um like what the guy from Channel 5 does, but he's not good at it and he's a bigot and uh, he doesn't even get to go on Marjorie Taylor Greene's show anymore. And the people in the audience are probably not going to find this funny because it's not going to be funny. But it'll be funny in the other way. Myself. Now, I have the most students in my class that have actually transitioned from a human being to a cat. Now I know I'm a rat, but that's more because I'm a Chuck E. Cheese, you know, freak. I love Chuck E. Cheese. Uh, I've spent a lot of time there, but that's why I like rats. But this is the problem: is we have a lot of trans inclusivity in other cities like Frisco. They're doing pride parades at a lot of churches. We're not there, doing any. Nobody calls it Frisco, and the pride parade doesn't happen at a church. Pride parades at churches here in Allen, and that's what we need. We need more kids on gender reassignment surgery or gender reassignment hormones. And the best way, I think. For me, that it's gotten the message out to the other students is doing it myself, leading by example. And that's what I'm trying to do here as a trans species, as Ronnie the Rat. He's like, listen, there's a social stigma. Me trying to date other furries like this and Alan, there's not a community. There's not a bar that accepts me, accepts me, Chris. I can't just go to the bar like this. I get made fun of. And that's the same thing that's happened to my nine-year-olds, my 10-year-olds. If they feel more comfortable being a cat, I don't mind putting a litter box in the classroom that lets them defecate in there. That's what I think is important. And should I tell the parents? Yeah, this no, isn't, but you're a hack. These kids can make Boo. decisions at 10 years old. Like, their parents shouldn't be involved. Like, what That's a, what like so failure to troll, man. Just utter failure to troll. I buy, oftentimes buy these costumes for these kids, and the kids go home in the costume, and the parents come back, and they yell at screaming me, and they say, we don't want you to sexualize our children. They call me the G word, G-R-O-O-M-E-R, which is basically like the N word. And it's just a terrible description of who I am. Boo, hack. I thought it was going to be like bad funny, but it was just bad. So uh, it wasn't actually a palate cleanser. I'm sorry about that, everybody. Um, so here's a pretty good story. And we're getting close to the end of the pod. We didn't even get through half of the docket this week. Um, here's a pretty good story. They gave this, uh, they gave this fellow a uh, medal in St. Paul for saving someone's life. Uh, the police did. And uh, well, the police don't necessarily probably like what he said. Congratulations, I'd like Thank to give you an opportunity to say a few words. Yeah, um, I appreciate it. I, uh, I feel like I, I did what anyone would have done with the little bit of training that they have, that I have. I'm a certified firearms instructor. I work in this high school in Minneapolis. I'm a dad and a husband and a wonderful community member. Um, that day, nine of your squad cars raced past us as I was flagging them down, it said in the letter you sent me. And that was a potential of 18 people. 18 people could have stopped to help preserve life. But 18 people chose to go to a potential threat. And I, and I recognized the man had a pistol and we didn't know what he was doing. Um, I do appreciate the recognition, um, but I won't keep this stuff. This will go to my mom and this will probably go to my son because I'm very uncomfortable being here with you guys. I do not. Rock with the police. Fuck yeah. Since you've given me the opportunity to say these things, and I just want folks to know that they don't keep us safe. We keep us safe. Um, riots work. Thank you. Appreciate you. Thanks, Alex. <laughs> Thank you. Y'all be safe out here. Great work. Oh, man. I would love to have been a fly 
on the wall, wherever the fuck the police went right after that. That was amazing. So that guy's amazing. He's like a teacher and shit. That was great. I didn't watch it before because everybody was talking about how great it was. And I'm like, I got to get this one. I got to get this one uh, fresh on the show. I can't have seen it before. That was, that was great. Um, oh man, we can only really do, we can only really do one more here. I think. Um, let's do Dennis Prager. Oh my God. Every once in a while, Dennis Prager just gets weird with it. And I think this is an example of Dennis Prager just getting fucking weird with it. Ultimate issues hour. Covering one verse in Deuteronomy. My explanation of Deuteronomy is published today. It's a big day. It doesn't happen often. There's only five volumes. It's a 10-year project. Numbers, I guess, will come out. Uh, maybe. I don't know if it'll come out next year. Maybe maybe 2024. You doing all right, buddy? It's a big deal. It's... I explain, I try to explain everything. Just this one verse that men shall not wear women's clothing or women men's clothing. So let's, let's go to my motto, preferring clarity to agreement. Either the Bible's right or the left is right. They can't both be right. That's why you can't be a serious Jew or Christian and be a leftist. You can be a liberal, you can be a conservative, but you can't be a leftist. Just on this issue alone, you just would have to say the Bible's wrong, and you're right. Mm-hmm. Let's see here. The public nudity calls are interesting. Anyway, none of you have a secular argument against it, and I don't blame you for that, because... It, uh, there isn't any. What? There's no secular argument against adult incest. Brother and sister want to make love? What's your argument? I mean, it squicks me out. And, like, after a couple generations, if a family's doing that, there's going to be genetic problems with the kids. Are they going to produce mentally retarded offspring? That's not the words I would choose takes many generations of inbreeding to do that. Okay, well then, what happens after a couple generations? Also, like, this guy is a freak. He's got DP, like, in the bottom left of his uh, overlay. There is no secular argument against adult consensual incest. There's a religious argument. Sex cannot enter family life. It's a big taboo. See, people think that we could live without the greatest source of wisdom and morality in the history of the world, the Bible. I don't think we need the Bible to figure out you're not supposed to fuck your sister. That's what they think. I think people had already figured it out, and that's why they put it in the Bible. Even some secular conservatives think that. They don't realize they're living on the fumes of the Judeo-Christian value system. But if you... Ultimately, Are you going to sleep here, Dennis? What's going on? flowers from the soil that nurtured them, those flowers will wither and die. I don't want to see that happen. That's why I'm working so hard on this commentary. Well, that was weird. This one got weird at the end. We went from um, inspiring. We went from like unfunny trolling to inspiring to weird at the very end of the show. So that's good. That's why people should listen all the way through. So podcast listeners, we're going to let you go. If we end up running the entire Marjorie Taylor green debate later tonight, I'll be sure to clip that out and put it on the podcast feed. You could expect that. I don't know. A couple days after you get this podcast live viewers, don't go anywhere. Um, I'm just going to change the color of the lights, change the contents of my beverage, turn the chat back on and um, we'll go into red light. I got some, pretty good craziness for red light song that we're going to play here it's called boomers it's by periscope we played at the end of both wednesday and sunday show everybody check out the band periscope you can find them in all the places you find music
Media streams seven days a week on twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia. With a variety of hosts and topics, there's bound to be something you'll like or hate so much you can't stop watching it. All times are Pacific. Check out our full schedule at echoplexmedia.com.